Hi, I'm Stuart McLeod, CEO and co-founder of Carbon. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with the world's top accounting leaders. Welcome to the first episode of Season 2. We have a ton planned and are excited to bring you more episodes, more conversations with the top leaders in accounting and a few more surprises to help you run your accounting firm. Today, I'm joined by founder of Tax Nuggets Academy, Joyce Ogg. Joyce has experienced working as a tax manager and director at KPMG, as well as a senior tax specialist and tax governance lead at the Australian Taxation Office. She quit her job about seven months ago to start her own business and create a micro-learning online platform for accountants and tax geeks, where she combines a creative flair with her technical expertise to create short and engaging videos, or lollipops for your brain with hidden veggies, as she calls it. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast, Joyce Ong. Welcome to the Accounting Leaders Podcast. Where do we find you on this sunny Tuesday, Wednesday in, in, uh, leading, in the lead up to Christmas of 2021? It is Wednesday here, by the way, Wednesday morning, 10 a.m. in Melbourne, Australia. You Melbourne born and bred? Oh, no, no, Malaysian background, actually. Got kicked out when I was 17, 18. Of uh, Malaysia? Yes. Well, that sounds like a family. story. How, how did you get kicked out of Malaysia? <laughs> By my parents. Oh, I see, I see. They said, go, go forth, we're, we're over you, go forth and yonder. Correct, that's right. And, yeah, completely shell-shocked when I landed in uh, Melbourne Airport and tried to order my first Subway and completely stuffed it up. I said I wanted everything because I didn't know how to order a sandwich because we don't eat sandwiches in Malaysia. And when my sub- when I opened my Subway, it completely fell apart. Because <laughs> full of everything. I just said yes to everything. Yeah, so there right. you go. Experience in in, in, in Tullamarine, <laughs> downtown <laughs> sunny right. Tullamarine. Okay, so you're Malaysian educated. What, what did your parents want you to be? Any any degree? You did did they didn't mind which uh, medical degree you got as long as it was one. As long as it was uh, nah, it had to be accounting actually. Oh, there you go. There you go. It had to be business. My dad studied uh, agriculture. And he's, he said he's the poorest among his friends that all study business. So, Joyce, you are going to Australia to do a degree in Bachelor's of Commerce. And I barely passed every single subject except for tax. So that's my savior. I think I got a yeah, 79% on tax and, and that was the only job I could apply for, and that's it. Yeah, by elimination, I am now a tax specialist slash trainer. And uh, which illustrious college in Melbourne did you end up at? Melbourne Uni. Yeah, yeah so you did, tax, did accounting and tax at Melbourne Uni. Yeah. Which Melbourne Uni pubs did you go to most? No, I was way too good. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah, I never. Uh, that doesn't. You, you don't. You don't late. strike me now as 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 that as as you've evolved as a person. <laughs> I think so. I um. I think I'm a late bloomer when it comes to being social, etc. So I never really went out until I started working, and then yeah, I just yeah needed a drink after working and yeah that's when I discovered yeah the wonders of the alcoholic beverage yeah no that that's that I understand I understand what um 
What was the biggest lesson at Melbourne Uni, do you think? Oh, everything, right? I mean, first time coming out of home, uh, just learning how to be myself and not doing something stupid, I guess. Did you feel great responsibility to your folks having been through that journey? Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Just had obligation to pass my exams, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah, I had to come home with that bachelor's. Otherwise, I'll be completely disowned, basically. How about yourself? Did you um, grow up in Melbourne, Sydney? Yep, Melbourne, born and bred, uh, Swinburne University, up the road in Hawthorne. I did an IT degree called Bachelor's, literally, Bachelor's Information Technology. And even though, you know, Melbourne, perhaps Monash, law, arts and and commerce are more illustrious than than the big brown building in Hawthorne, I don't know if it's changed that much, but um, I really love doing that degree. It was, it certainly was the foundation of, of my career. We had we went and did some uh, work experience during my degree and my first job was at Oracle and um, and that was part of the, the, the university aspect of the, the curriculum and, um, yeah, sort of been, been programming and, and sales and support and ever since. So I think that despite the, you know, the, the dramatic change in the work environment uh, over the last, you know, two decades, right, like, we talked about this on the podcast a few times, but, you know, what college degree do you have to go to to be an Instagram, you know, influencer? Is, is there one yet? <laughs> college of life. College of life, you reckon? Yeah. Good DNA, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this generation, the latest, our kids and generations are going to grow up where kind of hard work does not necessarily mean success and success does not necessarily require hard work. I mean, you know, I've spoken, we've spoken to, you know, crypto millionaires that, that sort of picked a, a good stock a little while ago and, and you know, were turned 10 into 100 and, and beyond, right? So I don't know, is, is, is a college degree as valuable as it once was? Definitely not. But I would say those are the lucky ones wouldn't apply to everyone. Yeah, unfortunately, there is no formula for success, right? But I would say on average, hard work is required unless you are one in a million that got lucky with crypto. And also, that's a once-off thing. You can't formulate that again, see? Yeah, so to me, I think hard work is still required. We'd like to think so. I'd like to think so. (laughs) If my kids are listening and they don't, they couldn't, they wouldn't, they hear enough of their dad. But uh, kids, you're going to college. <laughs> Your parents are old school. <laughs> but, I mean, just looking at social media marketing, I mean, it's not just a fluke, you know. I mean, you can get, you can go viral once, but to try and replicate that, uh, yeah, good luck with that, right? It does take a lot of commitment, consistency and a real voice, which requires hard work. Yeah, I mean, social media influencers, they like to pretend that, you know, it's just a fluke or or it's just some sort of magic that goes on in the background. But I reckon, yeah, there's a whole production system and, yeah, blood, sweat and tears behind it, which I have learned as well from the last 
I'm sure you have. And we'll you get might. into Tax Nuggets and, and your amazing singing ability. Maybe we can get a song on the podcast. We're not set up to do we'll, 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 we'll see if we can convince you to do a little Oh, a little I haven't warmed up yet. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> practice, uh, a warm-up. Yes. We'll do a warm-up. You, you don't want me to sing, I'll tell you. Um, I, I'd be disowned. But um, we'll get into your hard work and how you've been as successful as you have and, and congratulations. Tell us a little bit about Tax Nuggets and how you came up with it and then we'll go back and, and maybe talk a little bit about what happened after your well-earned, hard-earned degree from Melbourne University after the subway incident. <laughs> oh, it's seriously boring. So let's skip to the, to the exciting part, which is the last seven months of my life has been, yeah, a, a massive roller coaster. But yeah, a little bit about Tax Nuggets. We're online trading for accountants and tax geeks. And yeah, so we basically partner with, you know, specialists, tax specialists, and we co-create content together. Yeah, our mission is basically to save the world from boring training. I like to say, I came up with this just the other day, actually not me, but my copywriter. We're curing the world from CPD. So not continuing professional development, but crappy PowerPoint disease. So yeah, very um, short, punchy videos uh, in the style of micro-learning. I like to call it like we take technical boring content and we convert it into lollipops for your brain with hidden veggies. So yeah, that's a little bit about us. Seven months old. I quit my job in uh, on last day of work was 30th of April this year. So was that a tax deadline? I hope so. Just, just <laughs> for, for all of us. Uh, no. They like a bit, of, bit a, of hidden humour, right? A deadline I negotiated with the tax office. I was there as a contractor and, yeah, launched two weeks after that and uh, finally reached, almost, almost reached 100,000 annual recurring revenue. It's not big, but I'm giving myself a pat on the back because I've done it basically with, nothing. 10 grand. I bought a new desktop, secondhand camera, and I chucked in 5k working capital and basically from yeah, no subscribers to about 300 subscribers currently and, and yeah, 100,000 annual recurring revenue. Congratulations. It's amazing. Well done. And in, in hard lockdown as well, mind you, in Melbourne, where we can't even, yeah, we can only leave our house to exercise once a day and not further than five kilometres. Yes. No, you, well, you, if you want to do further than five kilometres, you've got to run three laps, right? Yeah, you just go right around circles. Well, you know, there's been a few statements lately from the government that uh, would like to think that, uh, you know, the social lockdowns are, are, are limited, but enough of the government. Let's talk about you. So, so prior to tax nuggets, you're working at the Australian Taxation Office as a contractor. Is that right? Yeah, 16 months. 16 months as a contractor there. And and this was born, your experience in tax was born, initially born out of your success in the tax subject at, at Melbourne Uni. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, through elimination. Through elimination. So you're 79%. Got you all the way to a job at the tax office. That's good. <laughs> oh, no, no, I started in a mid-tier firm, Copper Tax, and got my CA, uh, Chartered Accounting degree, uh, cert. And then got tapped on the shoulder by a recruiter, as, as they do, looking out for people that just finished their CA to jump ship. So, yeah, I went to KPMG and uh, was there for 10 years before I got jaded and when, hey, why don't I 
go over to the dark side or the light side, just depending on which side you're on, I guess. And yeah, I was there at the ATO for uh, 16 months. And then I could finally, and also because of lockdown, I think, I could finally think about myself instead of worrying about my clients all the time. And I realized that, yeah, I want to give this a go, starting my own business and yeah, just disrupting how uh, education is delivered. Was this sort of a an overnight sort of, you know, inspiration or something that you'd, ex- you know, sort of a frustration that you'd experienced uh, during, you know, your time at KPMG and, and, and then perhaps into the ATO? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, crappy PowerPoint disease has been around forever and it's born out of something that I wish existed throughout my entire career and it just, didn't. Um, it's always been delivered, you know, face-to-face training, very structured. And like, I just wished there was a place kind of like YouTube, you know, uh, you want to make tiramisu today, you just chuck it on YouTube. And then, you know, you get like hundreds of videos on how to make tiramisu. Like, why can't that exist for professionals? And I want to make that exist, basically. I mean, I've got like great, great, massive goals on, you know, where to take tax nuggets. And, and basically, you know, I want to create this little YouTube platform just for professionals and, and, you know, not just tax, but for all accountants and then maybe, yeah, broadening it to finance and, and law. The sky's the limit. When you're at the ATO, what were you told when you sort of came up with this idea and when you started uh, running it by your friends and your colleagues and peers at work? So what I started doing was I just made these little videos while I was still at the ATO and then I just posted it on LinkedIn because that's where all my networks are. And yeah, I mean, I got really good success um, and then people really liked it. And then I just created a company LinkedIn uh, profile and started chucking my videos in there. And yeah, I, I got a few followers and I'm like, hey, I kind of really like doing this. You know, I was upfront with the tax office the whole time about doing this because, you know, it's a massive conflict of uh, interest. But I said, uh, yeah, I'm just letting you know I'm doing this. Just let me know as soon as it's an issue. And they let me do it for around four whole months. And then finally they said, hey, Joyce, we're not going to renew your contract if you keep doing this. And I'm like, I kind of really want to still do it. So I quit (laughs) and gave up my wonderful salary of almost, yeah, $200,000 a year, a month. So good good taxpayers' money at work that was was well invested, I think, you know, as a smart person in the ATO was, (laughs) doesn't go astray. But I'm just, yeah, I'm earning peanuts at the moment. So it's a startup phase, I'm getting used to it. And yeah, just being a business owner has been so challenging, but so rewarding. Yeah. I don't know if you remember your first steps. Oh, I um, remember. I remember. Yeah? How long ago was that? <laughs> well, I did it a couple of times. I sort of stuffed it up a few times. But no, the, the one that I remember most was was probably the, the payroll company that we started in 2009. I mean, that was, that was just like you, after hours, credit cards. You know, back then, there was no, v, you know, even if we were going to attract VC money, it just wasn't available, you know, like there, there was no money in, in Aussie at that stage. And, um, yeah, we, you know, we just sort of scrapped and scraped and and did everything we can to sort of, we borrowed offices, we borrowed, <laughs> we borrowed machines, we, John Rhodes, most of the software in, in Oliver's bedroom and, um, you know, after hours and late at night and 
that was kind of um, you know where, where we got to and, and and how we had to do it. And two years later, we we kind of sold that to zero, and mm-hmm. away we went from there. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it is more fun doing it with a bit more resource, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I won't deny that. But it is, you know, at the end of the day, it it is a lot more. Um, I think that experience is beneficial, right? Like there's there's just so much money. And so many companies raising so much money, particularly around software and, and mm-hmm. you know, and not not necessarily that dissimilar to what you're doing, but, you know, we're in the US in particular, but also I've noticed a lot more in Australia now where, you know, there's a lot more money available, which can be a good thing, but, but you're going to see a lot of these companies blow up because, you know, they haven't had to be scarce with resource. They haven't had to prioritise mm-hmm. carefully. They haven't had to sort of find you know, a, a real product market fit that, um, you know, you really have to sort of work work really hard towards with, without resource. But anyway, I mean, that's my theory, yeah, but, yeah. but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I have uh, sought funding from Melbourne Uni and boosting female founders, but I, I never got it. But I think adversity does give rise to different solutions. So because I'm, you know, I don't want to use that much of my own capital. So I've tried to use, uh, first of all, I've I've created two things, right? So I've created this like collaboration model where I partner with other tax specialists because I don't have money to go and employ, you know, trainers to create my content, you know, actual tax advisors, you know, trainers, employees. So yeah, I partner with like tax lawyers who want to get in front of accountants to build their reputation, et cetera. And so I co-create content with them. So that's sort of kind of like an innovative solution, I guess. I mean, you know, people are doing that already, but I've just systemized it. And so that's how I get my content by collaborating with these people. And also I help them sort of build their reputation on social media, which is something that I, I can bring to them. Whereas the traditional, you know, the CAs and the CPA, if they go to their conference, you know, they, they'll just talk at the conference and that's it. Whereas I, my content with them is like evergreen and I'll keep, you know, putting it on social media, et cetera. So that's one sort of thing that I've been doing. And another one, because I don't have money for employees, I have been just engaging freelancers. And I've just been creating a system where I can engage any freelancer, particularly with my production process. So it's it's sort of like, I have like this little video where I send to them and it's like onboarding. I talk about, this is the system. This is the colors that you need to use. This is how I like to work. These are the fonts. And then I put everything that they can download. Yeah. And, and so... In that way, I can basically, yeah, move quick and just, yeah, get the production going really quickly and, and for cheap as well. The world is full of elastic resource now, which which makes, right. yeah, it's, which is pretty handy. The gig economy is a whole other debate, right? But mm-hmm. it does, at its on its surface, if you look at, you know, what, what people can do and apply their skills perhaps, you know, after hours or, you know, make a bit of extra money in, in its purest form, Utilising that kind of resource is, is, is a win-win, beneficial all round. You get what you need. They get a few extra dollars. And um, I think, you know, the, the upworks and the fivers of the world make complete sense. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I guess this whole, you know, controversy around, you know, when do your freelancers or your contractors become employees? I mean, if they start working for you full time, do you have, as an employer, have an obligation to then you know, give them sick leave and, and insurance and all that sort of stuff, you know? Like anything in the world, if you take something to extreme, 
you're going to run into issues, and I th- I th- you know that that's what kind of the um, you know the Grubhubs and the Ubers and everything sort of did with Elastic Resource and or, yeah. or, or um, Gig Labor, and you know yeah. of course uh, you know they they supply and demand means that you know more more labourer was available and more drivers came on and the cheaper the hourly rate got and the more greedy that <laughs> that Uber got and away they go right but. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's happened with Amazon drivers as well, deliverers uh, taking over this country. That's for sure. What about other sources of revenue, right? Like, have you tried TikToks and the TikToks and the YouTubes of the world? And and what do you what do you find in there? So I don't know if you know. Yeah, my business model is a subscription model, so it's kind of like Netflix or or Skillshare. You know, the users jump on, they pay a monthly fee. And then they get access to all like training content, mostly visual-based uh, videos and infographics, that sort of thing. Very little, little reading material. And so I only use like YouTube for publicity. But, you know, the gold is is in my platform on on my website. Yeah, so that's the business model in a nutshell. And and then we run live events as well as as like complimentary on top of that. And people come in and they pay a lot higher. So it's twenty five dollars for a basic subscription for a video online content and then to attend live events they have to upgrade to like $89 which is that's where I get the upsell basically. Well I hope the accountant can afford your $89 I'm sure they can. Well other places are charging like well $200 for an hour an hour and a half webinar and it's sometimes no humans appear it's just slides. It is shocking. I don't know about how things are in, in the States, but in Australia, it is quite dire. The the, uh, the education CPD market is expensive and very boring. I don't think you'll find much argument from from our North American listeners. The, would you look at, is that an interesting aspect for you, sort of trying to expand into different markets? What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the problem I'm facing now is because, okay, maybe just step back. So I started this business based on my unfair advantages and really it's about tax because I know tax. I've been in tax for 15 years. My networks are all in accounting and tax <laughs> and design. So I'm unique in the fact that I can do video design. I can I can do animation. So I did it in uni as a freelancer and it's all coming back to me now. And I've got a husband in IT and I like subscription businesses because I want to earn money while I sleep. And yeah, so it has to be something that earns money when I sleep. And so, yeah, I created Tax Nuggets based on these unfair advantages and what I want in my life. Scaling it upon that will take a lot more. So I'm at the stage where I'm thinking, do I want to just be a micro solo entrepreneur or do I really want to scale this up to the next level and, you know, expand in terms of other professional services areas like management consulting or financial planning or do I want to do something else like helping accountants go deep basically uh, help them maybe do content marketing it's like maybe some of my content can be converted into a content library where accountants can go in and pick and choose what content they like and then I'll license it to them and then they can post it on their website or they can create a client hub, uh, you know, client onboarding. These are the videos that you should watch to, you know, about budgeting or about 10 things you need to think about before going to the bank for money, for, yeah, a, a loan. 
So there are a lot of, so I know tax nuggets is just a start. It's small, but yeah, like at some point I'll have to either expand or pivot. Yeah. I don't know if you've got thoughts around that as a very experienced entrepreneur. Wherever your heart takes you, wherever your heart takes you and, and which, which area you think is going to provide the most satisfaction. I mean, it depends what you want in life too. Like uh, growth at all costs is not, is not always the, or is not often the answers. It's, um, you know, we spent sort of six, seven years getting our platform right before, you know, expanding, you know, pretty dramatically next year. But that's not right for everybody. If, if you want lifestyle business shouldn't be a dirty word. I know it can be, but you know, it is perfectly legitimate to, if you, you'll get your subscriptions up to a couple hundred grand, half a million bucks. And it's like, oh, well, I can do, you know, I can have a very flexible lifestyle. I can do whatever it is that you want to do and, and travel or have kids or none of the above or, you know, <laughs> whatever you like, right? And and if you don't have employee, you know, dozens of employees to sort of feel responsible for and you've got elastic, you know, elastic labour that you can call upon, what a great life, right? Like that is a very, very, you know, a very legitimate, more than legitimate, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing way to operate, right? But so what made you want to take it to the next level? Oh. This is becoming like your podcast. Yeah, no, Sorry. no, no, we, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> what made me? Oh, well, have you ever done an Enneagram? A what? An Enneagram. No. Enneagram is like um, my therapist would be thrilled to hear about this. Uh, any Enneagram is, is like a Myers-Briggs sort of, you know, psychological profiling kind of thing, you know, IDGB and all of that stuff. Anyway, you should look up Enneagram, right? So. Okay. Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 8, and one of my failings essentially in my personality is the never-ending horizon a sort of characteristic, right? So mm. whenever you think that you've reached a, a point in life where you might be satisfied and sort of go, okay, well, you know, think, things are good now, the horizon has already moved by the time you get there. Oh, and it's, that sounds it's, like me. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you need to do an Enneagram, right? So. Oh. So it's very, it's great in the sense that, you know, as long as you're satisfied that you can sort of keep going and, and the journey never ends. But it's terrible if, you, if you're trying to explain to your partner, your wife or your kids, oh, you know, why, why can't you, um, you know, just take four or five weeks off and we go and, you know, <laughs> do something else. It's because you so just. Much to do. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's so it's much the to do. That what you know? What's next? What's next? What's next? Right. So absolutely. So some personalities just have that, and um, mine's one of them. And mm. you know, it's just about coming to terms with that and living with that, and, and trying to balance that with um, you know family commitments and three kids, and also you know, I mean, I love uh, skiing and, and and riding and and all of that kind of stuff, and that's why we live where we live, and fitting everything in. That's another massive challenge, right? When you when you sort of oriented like that, that's the difficulty. And and I think a lot of um, now we're getting into it, aren't we? I think a lot of you know marriages suffer or partnerships suffer with um, you know personality traits like that because you can you can just become very selfish and you know try and try and find essentially life is about priorities and prioritization. And, and compromise. And compromise. Your <laughs> when you get your partner, a partner that understands. So I'm sort of in the thick of that at the moment because 
yeah, my partner is, yeah, brand new to all this. I mean, and he is the opposite of me, you know, very content. And I, I just don't know how, like, why can't I be like that? <laughs> you know, there's so much dissatisfaction, but in a good way, because it fuels the the business and, and the next, you know, the mission or whatever. But yeah, it's it's that him trying to understand that. But, you know, thankfully, I think he does. I mean, so far, it's, but it's only, it's very early in the journey, right? And trying to scale it to the next level, starting to get employees and then the pressure builds. Yeah, I'm on the verge of, of getting first part-time permanent employee. But then it really starts to, it's really the next level, I think, when you start having employees because it's about having, you know, mouths to feed. And I think I will feel that pressure. You do, um, you can't not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially the first ones. I mean, I love our team and everything, but, you know, like you do feel it. You don't, you don't, it doesn't matter how you try. Well, I mean, I do anyway. I mean, maybe, maybe massive narcissists don't. (laughs) Some people listening (laughs) might say, well, what about you? um, But you can't help not. Well, I couldn't help not anyway. Feel that pressure and, and think that you're, you know, you have some, you bear some responsibility, right? Like as an employer. To it's the employee-employer relationship. It is built in responsibility and and governance of the way that you need to operate, the way the way you treat people, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm actually glad that. So when I first started my business, I was like thinking, should I go all in? Um, you know, get employees and try to, try to scale quick and all that. But what I'm actually glad is that I went really slow and really cheap to confirm to myself that there is a proof of concept and that, you know, I can run a business. And so now, yeah, I've got, you know, 100K annual recurring revenue. You know, it's it's time to take it to the next level, I think. Yeah, um, just the next, like next little instance, step. <laughs> yeah, little, little uh, step by step. There's a word for it, um, iterate, yeah? I think it's, yeah, iterate step by step in, in small chunks. Like, for instance, my current platform is just real cheap and dirty. It's like 99 USD a month, (laughs) Uh, you know, software as a service. I'm, you know, in the middle of migrating it to a better platform. But still, you know, there's a $30,000 option. Yeah, yeah. All my boxes. There you go. There's that's 30% of your revenue, though. I know, but it's it's it, it ticks all the boxes. It's also a digital management software content management software, because like now my content is just sitting all over the place, but it's 30 grand. Or I could go with a smaller upgrade, which is 250 USD a month. And I've chose that, yes, because um, I think it's about small iterations. And then when when I can really afford it, that's um, when I use get the 30K platform. Yeah, just, just to take the pressure off. But there's always a temptation to go big, you know, just get the expensive thing because it takes all the boxes and people love it anyway, you know. But I think it doesn't work that way. It's always a balance with that stuff. It's like, oh, there's never a right nor wrong decision, I don't think. As long as you – I mean, these days it's pretty easy to sort of move around platforms. The, the only ones that, that can be difficult, not necessarily, but can be are sort of the billing ones, you know, where mm-hmm. credit cards are stored and all that. But everything else I think is reasonably, reasonably movable. Thankfully, yeah, this new platform sort of allows Stripe migrations. And so basically I'm stuck with Stripe forever. Yeah, that's not a coincidence, you know. <laughs> exactly. So I, I feel what, what you're saying. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> what about distribution? That's probably your 
the key aspect to solve, I would guess, right? Like being able to find a way to scale from how many how many subscriptions today? 300, 400? 323. 323. I'll be the 324th just, just to show my show our support. But uh, from 324 to 3,024 to 30,024, how do you see that working? So first of all, it's a little bit of this plan that I have, which is working with content partners, right? So these content partners, they come to me, we work together, we create a piece of content and we publish it. And then their networks will also spread it. And they also get that bit of, you know, that Benjamin Franklin effect. I don't know if you've heard of that, but anyone that sort of like has come, has checked out your content and and worked with you, they tend to like it more and they promote it for you on your behalf. So a bit of that. Have you tried any advertising yet on on, on Facebook or? Yes. Yeah. And yes. how did that go? I'll never tell you about how I tried my own digital marketing. Yeah. Tell today. me. Tell me. <laughs> So I triggered, yeah, so I, I started, I went on LinkedIn, just went in there and tried to figure it out on my own, went to Facebook and tried to figure it out on my own. Yeah, so launched an ad campaign on Facebook. And then on the second day, I got an instant message from a random person saying, get off my FB. I didn't ask for this. <laughs> <laughs> and that was look, a good start. God, my, yeah. heart just, my heart just dropped. Like, I just felt so horrible and I just cancelled it. <laughs> so, yeah, like, it's just not for me. Like, it, it's complicated. So I have now got a proper digital marketing agency doing it for me and they specialize in startups. And yeah, they do these sprints, these fortnightly sprints where, yeah, it's like they, they push something out, they learn from it, then they do the next sprint and, and so forth. And yeah, that's been working really, really well. I've got a lot of new random subscribers coming in. And, but I guess the next thing is is to make sure that they are the right people and just uh, tracking their, I don't know what the term is called, but their lifetime, like how long they, they're staying, going to stay as a subscriber. But my churn rate is practically nothing at the moment, so I know my content works. Well done. That's good. That's good. Yeah, so every, churn is key. <laughs> yeah. So only like two to five people cancel every month. Like, yeah, usually two. And then on one month, I got five, which was, yeah, because I did like a really specialized content. Like, yeah, so so that's a lesson as well to make sure that I, I cover a broad range of content. And you, you do publish your numbers publicly. What, what, what about that decision? Why not? <laughs> so radical transparency uh, to build trust. It takes a lot of boxes for me. Uh, so, so building trust, number one. And number two, if I'm going to attract content partners to collaborate with me, I've got to show that I've got revenue, right, in order to share with them. So I do rev share with some content partners because eventually I want to be like a skill share, right? I want to attract creators, uh, good people that can explain technical concepts in a simple way. I want these people. And I know there are people like that out there, right? Uh, People that have a nine-to-five job in some finance company and they're really good at what they do, but it's just not enough. And and so they come with me and they make content together. Yeah, we'll see. Well, Joyce, I, th- I think that your future is very, very bright. I really want to say like so many, so many people uh, feel trapped in nine to five jobs and, and feel like they're they're a cog in a, in a very, very big machine and that's unescapable. And you are an inspiration to those all over the world that uh, feel like that they can't sort of escape these, you know, the employee relationship of large organisations. So congratulations on on taking that first step. I think it's 
amazing and and the content that you've already created and the steps that you've taken so far should be well and truly celebrated. So congratulations on all of that. And I, I, I think, <laughs> I think uh, you know, the, there's plenty, there's so much that you can do with your with your tax nuggets business. Do you want to do you want to give out the URL and and make sure that there's uh, we'll try and drive some subscribership to you. <laughs> sure, it's at taxnuggetsacademy.com.au. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we we get a, a, a we'll get some UK content, we'll get some US content going, and and oh, grow your subscriber base. Limit, and <laughs> and uh, you, well, we'll find we'll find an American accent up here somewhere for you. <laughs> for sure. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been great just meeting you and chatting with someone that's been through it all. Yeah, I hope you enjoy your heli skiing. Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, Joyce. <laughs> be careful. Don't oh, yes. your helmet. Yeah, no, no, hel- helmet and airbag. That's all right. Well, uh, there's an enormous amount of snow coming, so um, uh, which we're very grateful for. And uh, we'll, we'll get stuck into it over the over this winter, over the next uh, 12, 16 weeks or so. But um, thank you for for spending some time with us, Joyce, and, and uh, good luck with everything. And I'll go and uh, hit the subscribe button shortly. Wonderful. Thanks, Joyce. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you found this discussion interesting, fun, you'll find lots more to help you run a successful accounting firm at Carbon Magazine. There are more than a 1,000 free resources there, including guides, articles, templates, webinars, and more. Just head to carbonhq.com resources. I'd also love it if you could leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. Let us know you like this session. We'll be able to keep bringing you more guests for you to learn from and get inspired by. Thanks for joining and see you in the next episode of the Accounting Leaders Podcast.